So let me ask you this. Do you ever find yourself thinking things like, I don't think I can do this anymore. This is just too much. It's too hard. I can't take it. I don't really have anything to offer. I don't even know why they keep me around. I can't apply for that job. I'm not good enough. I'll never have enough money. I'll always just barely be getting by. You know, one of the hardest things I've ever had to do is raise a newborn. Can anybody attest to that? It's very evident to me now why so many men either disappear or retreat to working all the time whenever a newborn shows up on the scene. You got the crying and you got the diapers and waking up in the middle of the night. Then on top of that, this baby is exhausting your, your mate, your spouse. And like you have this instinct to protect them. So it's like you want to protect them from this baby that's like taking all their energy away. It's really strange. It's really strange. You know, and during, you know, with both of my kids, I've found myself thinking, I, I can't do this anymore. Just being honest with you. But, you know, I'm still here today, so I obviously survived it. Um, you know, and I can also remember when Beth and I decided we were going to get out of debt. We had, a credit, we had credit card debt. We had a car payment. Hey, we even had a loan on our couch. You remember that? It was awesome. And our income, it sucked. I was a clerk at Quick Trip. Beth had an entry-level job working at a, a title company, I think. And so every month, I'd write the budget. And it never, ever looked like we were going to get out of debt. We'd, ha we'd have like 10 or $20 left to put towards the credit card. And you know, I'm sure you have stories like, like this too. But over the years, what I found is there's one thing that's key to overcoming these things. Let me tell you somebody else's story. I've been put in prison and beaten too many times to count. Actually, I've been beaten so badly that they left me for dead. I traveled a lot, and during my travels, I've been shipwrecked, lost at sea, and even approached by thieves on the street. I've worked long days, and instead of sleeping, I've even worked through the night. I've gone without food, water, and there were times I didn't have enough clothes to even keep me warm. You know, I bet if you were this guy, you'd probably feel like giving up. If nothing else, I bet you'd wonder if God was really with you. Yet this story is of a man who wrote most of the New Testament. His name is Paul. And without, that, without a doubt, I, I would say that he was called by God, wouldn't you guys think so? But I want you guys to listen to what he says about all this. And Ethan's going to pull it up on the screen. This is Philippians 4, 11 through 12. Not that I was ever in need, really. You know, we just, we just read his story, and he's saying he was never in need. <laughs> For I've learned how to be content with whatever I have. I know how to live on almost nothing, or with everything. I've learned the secret of living in every situation, whether it is with a full stomach or empty, with plenty or little. Go ahead and stop right there. So what is the secret to living regardless of your circumstance? I was reading a book earlier this year called Mindset, and this book was written by one of the world's greatest researchers in the fields of personality and psychology. Her name's Carol Dweck. Do I have any readers out there? None? Oh, Laura, yes. <laughs> I love to read books. But in trying to understand how people can cope with failure, she conducted a study. And what she did is she got a group of kids together and uh, gave them all puzzles to solve. The first puzzles were really easy, and then they kind of got harder as time went on. So confronted with the hard puzzles, one 10-year-old boy sat up in his chair and he yelled out, I love a challenge. And another looked up with a smile and said, you know, I was hoping this would be informative. You know, the researcher was shocked because she thought you either coped with failure or you didn't cope with failure. She never thought that somebody would actually love failure. 
So imagine this. You're rushing into work late one day, and as soon as you get there, you find out that you made a mistake yesterday that cost the company thousands of dollars. Then you get chewed out by a customer over the phone. And at lunchtime, you're sitting with your friends, you accidentally knock over your cup, and it spills all over all of your friends. It's finally time for you to go home after this horrendous day. You get your car, and you have a parking ticket. So on your way home, you call your friend to tell them about your terrible day, and they don't even care. Actually, they, they kind of blow you off. So what would you think in this situation? Take a moment to think about how you'd feel if you had a day like this. Would you feel like a failure for costing your company thousands? Would you feel like a reject for getting chewed out by a customer over the phone and then getting rejected by your friend later on? Maybe you'd think that somebody's out to get you or that your life is just downright pitiful. How would you cope with all of this? Would you pout? Would you go to bed early? Would you eat emotionally? Would you cry? Would you break something? So in this book, Carol explains how there are two different types of mindsets and you either have one or you have the other in any given situation. Those who relate to feeling like a failure, reject, coping with food, pouting, or violence have what's called a fixed mindset. The other is called a growth mindset. And all those, these people would still feel pain from failure. They would get up and they would do something about it instead of pouting. Their response would be more like figuring out what they could do to recover that lost money and then making sure they didn't make that same mistake again. They wouldn't take things personal. They'd just figure their friend was probably having a bad day too and give them the benefit of the doubt. They wouldn't label themselves as a failure. They'd simply confront the challenge and keep working at it. Jim Marshall was a former defensive player for the Minnesota Vikings. Now, I'm not a football guy, but I know that some of you guys are out there. Is anybody a Vikings fan? No. Okay, well, in a game against the 49ers, Marshall spotted the football on the ground. He scooped it up, ran for a touchdown as the crowd cheered, but he ran the wrong way. He scored for the wrong team and on national television. It was the most devastating moment of his life. The shame was overpowering. But during halftime, he thought, if you make a mistake, you've got to make it right. I realized I had a choice. I could sit in my misery or do something about it. Pulling himself together for the second half, he played some of the best football ever and contributed to his team's victory. Nor did he stop there. He actually spoke to groups and poured into those who were brave enough to admit their own shameful experiences. So instead of letting that experience define him, he actually used it to make things better. He made himself better. So... In a fixed mindset, failure is a defining moment. When you do something wrong, when you face something and it doesn't go right, you say, I'm a failure. But in a growth mindset, failure is still painful, but viewed as a problem to be faced, dealt with, and learned from. All right, so as I was reading this book, I realized that I predominantly had a growth mindset But that's come over years of letting the Holy Spirit work on me. Because I would imagine if you would have asked me that 10 years ago, I probably would have had a fixed mindset in most things. But then it was revealed to me that I actually have a fixed mindset in one area still. You see, I've been skinny my whole life. And if you're a woman, you know, maybe the goal is to be skinny. But as a guy, I don't think any guy wants to be skinny. They want to look strong and they want to look fit. Am I right? 
So a few years ago, Beth and I actually worked out with a personal trainer, and she sits in this room today, and her name is Darla, and she kicks your butt. So if you ever want to get your butt kicked in a workout, go see Darla. And over our time working with her, I did get stronger, I did get leaner, but I was still skinny. And so I reserved to the fact that, like, skinny, that's just who I am. I can't change that. So in this lies the secret. You either believe that you're stuck a certain way, or you believe that there's room for growth. And as believers, we actually get to take this to the next level. You know, sure, our personal effort towards growth can make a difference, but our effort is multiplied when we truly believe that God is working in us. Let's take a look at Philippians 4.13. For I can do everything through Christ who gives me strength. You know who wrote this, right? This comes from the same guy we talked about earlier whose life was far from trouble-free. Yet he had the ultimate growth mindset. He had done decided that regardless of what was going on around him, he was going to grow through it and he was going to come out stronger on the other side. No amount of failure or crappy circumstances were going to stop Paul. He truly believed that there was nothing that could stand in his way because Christ was continually strengthening him. So I want you guys to take a moment to look inside. Where do you have a fixed mindset? Financially? Maybe you have thoughts like, I'll never have enough. I'll never be able to tithe and give. I'll never own my own house. At work, I'll never get a promotion or a pay raise. I'll never get a job I actually enjoy. In your marriage, my partner will never change. This is how it will always be. Or maybe it's your relationship with God. I just can't understand the Bible. I'll never be as close to the Lord as so-and-so. So let's look at Romans 12, 2. Let God transform you into a new person by changing the way that you think. Then you will learn to know God's will for you, which is good and pleasing and perfect. I can't tell you how many times I read this scripture and thought that it was all about my effort in renewing my mind. I took it all upon myself. It's like, okay, I'm going to renew my mind because that's what I need to do. But then I read the scripture a little slower. So let's read this really slow. Go ahead and pull it back up, Ethan. Romans 12, 2. Oh, it's a different translation? Oh, I just started later on. Don't copy the behavior and customs of this world, but let God transform you. Let God transform you. Who's doing the work here? Let God transform you into a new person by changing the way you think. Then you will learn to know God's will for you, which is good and pleasing and perfect. So what's your effort in this? Let. Let God. What's his effort? Transforming you into a new person by changing the way that you think. And what's the result? You'll know God's will for you. Renewing your mind is a daily process. It's a journey of continually getting vulnerable and allowing God to come in and transform you. He's not in the Band-Aid business. He's in this for the long haul until you're completely transformed. 
I manage marketing for a wellness clinic in the Tulsa area, and their goal is to help people experience true healing by changing the way that they eat. And let me tell you, it's not just one day of right eating that helps them lose weight and eliminates type 2 diabetes and lowers their cholesterol. It's a continually daily choice of letting the right food transform their body. Sounds a little familiar, huh? It's a daily thing, renewing your mind. But it's not, don't take the effort onto yourself. I hope that, like if, if anything, today what I want to get across to you is that our job is to let God. That, what that means is that you're just getting vulnerable before God and you're saying, come in my life, come in my head. I, I know you know my thoughts anyway. It's, it's no secret to you. But I'm acknowledging that you know my thoughts and I want you to change them. I want you to change them. So dedicate to the daily process. And then when you get off track, I want you to refer to this scripture, Romans 8.1. There's no condemnation for those who belong to Christ Jesus. Never, ever label yourself as a failure. When you mess up, when you make a mistake, when you cost your company thousands of dollars, or maybe you pick up a bad habit that you had laid down a long time ago, don't label yourself as a failure. There's no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus. So what that means is you cast that off. You cast the failure aside. You say, I'm going to learn from that, and I'm just going to move forward. I'm not going to look behind me because that doesn't do me any good. I want you guys to tell me, when's the last time that it actually helped you to sit in your chair and mope about your failures? Did that improve your life? Did that change the situation? Did it work? No. So, so, so why, are, why are we doing it? Why are we doing it? And oftentimes, whenever you cast it aside, and you say, I'm not, I'm not going to let failure defi define me and decide my destiny. We'll feel condemnation for letting it go. Anybody been there? Because you feel like you have to hold on to it at least for a little while and suffer at least for a little while because you did make the mistake after all. But that's not God's plan for your life. He wants you to walk away from condemnation. He wants you to walk forward into your new life. So don't just wish that you could change. I wish I could have a better life. I wish I could have a better job. I wish I could have a better marriage. Believe that you can change, because you can. And with God, you have unlimited growth potential. There's no limit to what God can do in your life. Which reminds me, this is a message that the Lord's been putting on my heart for year. I mean, years. I mean, he's been walking me through this because Beth and I have reached like a certain point of, I don't know if you'd call it success or whatever, financially and in our marriage that I don't, I don't know that we dream that we would ever be at this point in this part of our lives. But we got to this point and it was easy for us to just sit and be okay with where we were, like, like we've arrived. And, and there's not a whole lot more that God can do in our lives. But there's more. There's always more. No limits. Like, guys, we, we have to believe this in this church. We, we named our church No Limits Church because we want to step out and we want to believe God to do things through this church that we could have never imagined that he would do. We want to see him get it to the point where 80% of our finances or maybe even more are going outside of this door and we're reaching out into our community and we're reaching out into the world and people are going to look and be like, that that small church, maybe if we're still small at that point, or maybe it'll be that big church when we get to that point, there's no limits. If, if God wants to do that through 60, 70 people, hey, that's great. If he wants to do that through thousands of people, that's great too. But I want, what I want you guys to do is take the limits off of your own personal lives. 
because that's how this church breaks through and goes through the next level. Yes, we need to believe no limits for this church, but you need to believe no limits for yourself. It's time to look up. It's time to believe that God can do amazing things in your life. He wants to, and he will. It's time to renew your mind daily and wake up whenever you feel like things aren't going to go right or that you're falling backwards. You're going to speak out of your mouth, I believe in a no-limits God, and he's at work in my life, and he's renewing my mind, and I'm letting him because that's my job. All right, let's pray. Lord, we love you. We thank you that you're working in our lives. Lord, we believe that you're working in our lives. I know that your strongest desire for us is to walk in faith, to live our lives in faith, believing your word, believing all of it. Lord, I ask you to break the chains that are limiting people from fulfilling their potential. Lord, you have great things for all of us to do in this room. There's not one person that's better than the other. I know that we're all called to something different, but that doesn't make any of what we're called to better than what another person is doing. So Lord, help us to walk towards, with confidence, the thing that you've called us to do personally. And Lord, we thank you that as we let you renew our minds that we're going to know your will for us.